You're listening to the Pimp Cron Podcast. Well, hello, everybody. It's episode 110 of the Pimp Cron Warhammer Podcast. You don't be fooled by the rocks that I got. I'm still, I'm still Jenny from the block. I used to have a little. Now I still just have a little. Anyway, what we're talking about tonight is we have a real talk with the Pimpcron, and we discuss why Games Workshop messes up their own strategies, and why don't they just do things more logically. It would benefit them. It's like... It's like your, I don't know, your dog swallows something or has something in its mouth and you got to fight it to get it out of the dog's mouth. And you're like, I'm not trying to hurt you. I'm trying to help you. This is for your benefit. I don't want you to swallow this. Well, Games Workshop has some good ideas, but they swallow them. And I'm trying to get the bad idea. So... On Want That or Want That Not, we have, uh, we have some Rocky Bunker set, I think it is, from Game at EU, and, uh, Pimpcron at 304 is on with me for that, and we also have a Tesseract mailbox from our Patreon subscriber, Grendel, meh, 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 and, uh, excited about that. He discusses some stuff from last episode, this is his, uh, rebuttal, or his reply, whatever you want to say. Of course, we are brought to you by our Patreon subscribers and our good friends at GameMat.eu. Uh, go over there and buy some stuff. <laughs> anyway, I have another sad story to tell you from this week. I missed... Okay, you guys get your t- t- Kleenexes out. Uh, I missed my Wargaming night this week because my two two of my daughters had taekwondo belting tests and i gotta tell you i cried i gnashed my teeth i i pee i even peed a little and my wife wouldn't let me get out of it uh (laughs) no 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 i wanted to support my girls and uh, my mom always did that stuff for me when i was playing football and all that she'd go to all my my games and even though she could not give a crap about football but she she'd go to all my games and stuff like that and it was always really nice to be supported by your parents so if you are a parent you know go go support some of your stuff for your kids because it does mean a lot to them that they can look out there and see you in the crowd and uh but unfortunately i did not get to go to warhammer because i had that and um so to make up for it just james came by a couple nights later and we played a oh yeah, that was actually an exclusive battle report for just Patreon members. It is uh, mission two of our five-mission narrative campaign in the Pimpcron Epic War Planner. And I should I need to quit calling it that because Pimpcron's not actually in the name. It's the Epic War Planner, and uh, it's it kind of pushes you through each mission, you know, gives you benefits for the next mission, that sort of thing. So we just p- published mission number two. It's our orcs, my savage orcs, and his regular orcs versus Imperial Guard. And it's been really fun. It's a solo slash co-op thing because the Epic War Planner has rules for um, for solo gaming and the AI for the enemy and all that. So just James and I are playing against the AI cooperatively. And that's been a lot of fun. So, what else have I been up to? Well, I painted some more Savage Orcs. I enjoy doing that. And, um, 
In the last week, I've created two Brutality Battle Reports. I'm doing, uh, in addition to the narrative campaign for 40k that I'm doing Just James, <laughs> I'm doing Just James. He wishes that I'm doing for, I mean with, Just James. Uh, for the Patreon subscribers, we're also doing a uh, Brutality narrative campaign, and I'm just putting that up f- for anybody. And uh, so that's been a lot of fun, too. I am just filmed the third mission, so... Even though I missed out on my regular night of gaming, I still got some gaming in, and that was fun. And Just James, by golly, he's one of my favorite people to play. We get along really well, and uh, neither one of us are power gamers, so it's it's always a fun time. Anyway, I think that's about it. This is going to be a little short intro this time, and let's just get into the meat and the potatoes of this show. Let's open the Tesseract mailbox. Hey, it's time for the Tesseract Mailbox, and today we have a letter from Grendel. He's one of our Patreon patrons, and he writes in a short little note to us about uh, last episode where we discussed being rich and uh, how it might suck. So he says, I have fantasized about you, Pimpcrunt. No, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. Uh, I'm sure he does, but he didn't say it. I have fantasized about winning the lottery and just going crazy on 40k. I think I would source out some things, but I think I would still do my own stuff on armies that I like. Look at Mini Wargaming. They have nice studios in almost every army, but the content producers talk about playing other games and working on their own armies. My dream would be to be Mini Wargaming. Once... I'm sorry. I'm stupid. I can't read. Own a place where my friends and I can play, an attached hotel for my friends who are out of town, and top-notch armies and tables. On top of that, the time to play all the armies and BS about the game and try new things. Well, thank you for writing in, Andy. Um, I hope I didn't offend you with my joke. Uh, so the the point is, is that um, first off, I need to get out of the way. Most of my listeners fantasize about me, so that's not just it's not just you, Andy. You don't have to feel embarrassed about that. Uh, second off, um, I, I agree. Like it is like a really nice fantasy to think about, um, not having to worry about bills or work or whatever. And I mean, if you save and you plan for your future well enough, I guess when you retire, that could be a situation at that point though, all your gamer friends are probably dead. So (laughs) that's a nice thought for you. Um, yeah, but mini wargaming, they do seem, I mean, you don't know what it's like behind the scenes or whatever, but it does seem like a really nice setup that they can just play games all day and chill out. And, you know, they say it's, uh, we play and call it work or whatever their phrase is. And at least they admit that that's what they're doing. And man, that just seems so nice. Every time I go to my local game store and I get to see my friends and we hang out and we, you know, shoot the bull and play Warhammer and all that. It's just so fun. And it would be nice. It would be really nice. Like you said, um, all of your out of town friends, you have like a little hotel or an apartment attached to your house and they can come over if they live from far away and hang out and just play and just, Oh yeah, it would be nice. Unfortunately, I guess that'll probably never happen to most of us. Uh, 99% of us. I mean, mini wargaming, my question has always been, is how much money do you actually make off of producing all that content? That's my question. I mean, they must make money, because I'm not a historian on mini wargaming, but I believe they used to have a, 
online store, and then back when GW was taking their ball and going home and being a little douchebag, uh, they like banned online shopping carts selling Games Workshop product or something, and then Mini Wargaming had to like close their online store and then just went directly to making battle reports and all that stuff. And uh, I mean, I don't know what their other business activities are, but it seems like they're making some money at it, and I know they've got like their what, Insider Vault, or whatever it's called. I don't participate in all that, but uh, just James tells me about it, because he watches a lot of their battle reports. And um, it seems seems like they got a good thing going on. Um, I I know of several Patreon-type things where people have, you know, bat reps and, and all that stuff in narrative games. And um, like you said, they get, um, what is it, Greenleaf Terrain or something like that. It's a company that does a lot of their terrain, and they just... Hire them like, hey, you know, paint me a whole table full of floating rocks or whatever it is. And that just does seem like they're living the dream. You know, it's always greener on the other side. But gee, if you get to play Warhammer every single day and hang out with your buds and make videos that people enjoy, you know, there's a lot worse in this life that you could be doing. So, um, oh, well, uh, like you said, too, it would be nice to maybe have the choice to hire someone to paint armies that you kind of don't feel like painting or whatnot. Actually, I was just running into that recently. I was out um, in my gaming room, and uh, I was looking at diff my different armies, and I wanted to, you know, just sit down and work on one of my armies that, you know, might be a little underpainted or whatever. And by, by and large, my Night Haunt is underpainted. And uh, I don't usually play with unpainted minis, so I don't really play with the Night Haunt that much. And when I got thinking about, well, maybe I'll prime these guys and, you know, start painting them and whatnot, uh, I was just bored to death thinking about it. Because Night Haunt is a very, very boring army to paint the way that I paint them. Because I'm not, you know, a million layer, different color highlight wash, you know, contrast dude. I usually prime stuff, base coat, dry brush, maybe a wash, something like that. I do about three, three steps and that's it. And um, my Night Haunt are so super easy to paint. It's a prime of white, a wash of blue, and a dry brush of white. And that's my, my Night Haunt. And the problem is, is I've made that color scheme so easy that it's boring to do, and it's more of a chore than normal to do. So when I got thinking about it, I was like, hmm, I could paint more Savage Orcs, or I could paint some Night Haunt. And then I look at my Night Haunt, and I'm like, oh god, that's boring as hell. So... Maybe I did too good of a job. I always say that you want to make sure that you have a paint scheme that is easy to reproduce and easy to do, and maybe I did too well with the Night Haunt. But in all fairness, they're pretty they're pretty basic models. I mean, they're gorgeous. The miniatures themselves look great and all that, but there's really not that much place for extra color or extra whatever on a Night Haunt. They're slightly boring. So... Anyway, thank you for writing in, Grendel. I greatly appreciate it. And thank you for being such a wonderful supporter of the show via Patreon. I will catch you right after this music. Want that or want that not? Hey, guys, it's time for Want That or Want That Not. And today I am I am joined by Cronet 3 of 4. How's it going, Cronet 3 of 4? Good. Okay, so you're pretty excited. You asked to be on with me today, right? Yeah. <laughs> okay. 
Well, I'm excited to have you on. So today what we have here is GameMat.eu's Rocky Base Set. It is a pre-painted um, set of terrain, like all their terrain is pre-painted. And can you give me a, a rundown of exactly what that is, 3 of 4? Um, it's like this big, like, set, and one of them is like a rock, but it's like a base. It's like where <laughs> they stay. So in the rocky base set, there's like a base in the rock? <laughs> well, like people stay. <laughs> Yeah. So there's this is a six piece terrain set. And the funny thing is is um I really feel like they should put a miniature for scale or something like that in this main picture because when I first looked at it, I uh I thought that I wasn't quite understanding uh you know, most of their terrain sets are like a ton of terrain. Like a like a probably seventy pieces or something like this. This is only six pieces, and judging with nothing to judge the scale of how big these pieces are, it's really hard to tell exactly how large they are. So when you look at, um, oh, you have it, uh, how much is it? It's uh, $139 for these six pieces of terrain, which at first sounds a little expensive, but when you actually click on it and you open up the page... There is um, one picture in their gallery of pictures where it's got miniatures with it. And it shows you just how massive these pieces of terrain are. Now, what I like about it is that it is it, they go with the same type of color scheme is of their rock terrain. Remember the giant um, desert rocks that I have? Mm -hmm. That's from Game at EU. And it's the same color as them. So it's clearly supposed to be part of that terrain set. Also, I have that Mars-looking mat. You know what I mean? Like the desert orange? Yeah. And that all goes perfectly together. So, what we have here is these six pieces. You've got a flat plateau type piece. You have a ruined bunker. And the flat plateau actually has like a section of it where you can put the ruined bunker on top of it. Which I like. There's also two like missile silo in the ground, but it's, it's raised in the rock. And um, they're like bunkers or missile silos, like where you'd open up that door and shoot out a missile. And um, look at that one. That looks pretty cool. Yeah. What would you say that is? Um, I'm not sure. Looks like, on the top, it looks like people spawn there. Oh, people spawn there? Yeah, it looks like that. That's funny. Yeah, this is actually a base built into the rock. And uh, this this one piece of um, of the six... And uh, it looks like a base built into the rock. And uh, once again, with no scale, you can't really tell exactly how large these are. But these are freaking massive pieces of terrain. I mean, really, really big pieces of terrain. And I think the um, the biggest, coolest one out of this entire set, what is that, 3 of 4? It, it looks like a, like a big... Um... It's like a mountain. Yeah, but I don't... But there's something like a wing around it, and on top it looks like somebody spawned there because it's like a metal circle. So once again, it's um, it's a mountain, and they've they've literally got a mountain with a base cut into it, and there's like a hatch up top maybe for a missile. There's a door. There's a metal platform that you can walk all the way around it, and um, if you actually, I'm gonna have her cycle through these pictures. 
if you look at the picture with the miniatures three or four, you'll see that it, these are actually really large pieces of terrain. And what I like about it, in addition to just the models looking cool, is that it ties in so well with the orange mat that they already sell, the Martian mat or whatever, and with the other set that I have of the the desert mountains or whatever. Um, so now we've lost our... Oh, there it is. See right there? Whoa, that's a big... Yeah, they're actually pretty darn big pieces of terrain. So, I really like the idea of it. I don't think I've ever seen this type of terrain before, um, as far as, like, a base built directly into the rock. You see buildings that are just a building, like a structure, a freestanding yeah. metal structure, mm -hmm. or a bunker, or whatever, but this is really, really neat looking. Um, yeah, it looks like it's kind of old, because it's, like, built into the rock. It looks like they were just old, they were just buildings and then over time it formed into rock uh-huh and um as far as train sets go this train set has more character than usual because you know there's lots of train sets of just mountains or just desert rocks or rivers or whatever but there's very very few that are actually like bases built into a rock i've never actually seen this in any of the other sets and um you know from other companies or whatever so, um, unfortunately, I think this came out last year after I was making my order for Shorehammer. So, I'm actually going to uh, buy two of these sets for Shorehammer. They are really cool. Yeah. And uh, so, that's really cool. I'm actually really excited about that. Maybe when I get them in, we will do a battle report with a desert base in the desert with my rock set and my matching mat set and my matching bunker in rock set. Yeah, it kind of looks like in the picture, that's, that's like that rock set, where it's like that mat, yeah. and it looks like that. Yep, and being that this is pre-painted, I don't even have to touch it. I can just take it out of the box and immediately play with it. So that is, um, that's one of the reasons why I was drawn to Game at EU originally anyway, is because I don't have the time or the umph to paint terrain. I paint my own miniatures, but we already paint so much terrain for Shorehammer that it's... Anytime I can cut a corner and get somebody else to paint my, my terrain for me, I would rather do it. So Now, of course, you know, with some skill, I might be able to re recreate a little bit of this out of foam or whatever. But number one, I don't have the time. I don't have the patience. I don't have the interest to build terrain. And also, this is hard resin. This is not styrofoam or anything like that. Mm -hmm. So you, you've seen my old train that I had before that was yeah. made of foam. and then they got, like, messed up and, like, there's, yes. like, bumps in it because there's hard things, like, pressing into it and it was, like... Yes. Like that big foam yellow ball you did once. Yeah, yep. That was, like, built-in, kind of. Yeah. And, uh, anyway, so it is... Is this a want that or want that not for you? I would get it. <laughs> you would get it. It's really cool. Well, you'll see it soon enough because I ordered it for Shorehammer this year, so I'm excited to put that on the table. And um, everybody uh, will also be excited, probably. Yeah, like I said, it's nice to be able to tie two terrain pieces in with a mat, and they all match. I like that. Yeah. So that is more variation for your tabletop, and that's from GameMat.eu. And uh, thanks for being on three or four. I appreciate it. You're welcome. Now it's time for Real Talk with Pimp Cron.
On this edition of Real Talk with the Pimpcron, we are discussing exactly what is wrong with Game Shirt Workshop. <laughs> Game Shirt Game Shirt Shop, which is a uh, affiliate of Games Workshop, and Games Shirt Shop it just makes terrible shirts. I've bought several shirts from them. No, I'm kidding. Games Workshop, as much as we love them, and as much as they've turned their act around in the last five years or so, and the way they've revitalized uh, Warhammer Fantasy into Age of Sigmar, okay, you can calm down with the booing now, but seriously, Warhammer Fantasy was in its death throes, it was not selling well, and partially you could argue that it was not well supported by Games Workshop, and that's why it was dying. The other argument would be that they had so many models that had been around for so long and they really needed to call the herd and really trim down the number of models and the number of armies they had and all of that. So in doing that, they made Age of Sigmar and they have a really great following now. I mean, it took a little while to get that going. It was a hard thing for them to do for a couple years there. And really, it was the lack of points that was the real thing when they first started, but now I feel like Warhammer 40k, for the most part, is on a pretty good direction, and they have frequent FAQs, and they seem to be listening to the community, and there's a lot of good things there, so I'm not just trying to crap on GW, because I really do truly think, and I think their stocks show this, that they have really turned things around, and that um, all the the bygone days of Games Workshop taking their ball and, and going home on social media and all that, I think all that's over. And you'll even see Games Workshop online team, you know, responding in, in witty ways to fans, even when fans are being rude and whatnot. So, having said all of that, I think Age of Sigmar is in a pretty good position Matter of fact, in some ways it seems more stable than 40k rules-wise and armies-wise, but Age of Sigmar, I think, has carved out a unique niche, and it's a unique feel, and a lot of the models are very copyrightable and trademarkable and all that stuff, and that's totally fine, you know? I'm fine with your Aurochs and your Alves and all of that. Um... I am also okay with them trimming some of the, you know, the green skins have been squatted now. That whole army of green skins and the, a lot of the Empire stuff and a lot of the High Elves stuff and a lot of the Dwarf stuff and all of that has been cut. But you know what? Some of that did need to be cut. I mean, we had multiple of the same exact thing. Humans on chariots, you know, uh... Uh, orcs on chariots and beastmen on chariots and elves on chariots and just everybody had a freaking chariot and at some point it gets ridiculous so they got rid of a lot of the goblin stuff as well so they have done a lot in the last couple years i think we're like on our what fourth or fifth maybe sixth uh anniversary of age of sigmar i think it was and, um, you know, they have completely turned the ship around, and I am not in all, in any way hating on them just for the sake of hating on them. I think they're doing really well for the most part. With all of that caveat aside, sometimes they do things that I just don't understand. And I, of course, this is from the outside looking in. I'm not a Games Workshop insider or anything like that, so I can't say that, oh, it's because you know, I know everything and there's totally nothing outside of the scope of my knowledge that could possibly impact their decisions or their designs or whatever. But 
from the outside looking in, I don't see any logical reason why you can't do some of the things that I'm about to mention. What brought this up is that recently I uh, I started a Slaves to Darkness army. And um, I already had some units or whatever, but I actually actively have tried to start a Slaves to Darkness army. And I got looking through the codex and all of that, and I'm looking at all my options and whatnot, and like I said before, I am now quality over quantity. I don't need some giant Slaves to Darkness army, no. I want exactly the units that I want, and it's going to be for narrative purposes, and it's going to have a theme, and it really is is completely irrelevant to the meta and all that nonsense. So, I, of course, I want units that can do something, but they don't have to be great. They don't have to be the, the cream of the crop. So I got looking, and um, I started looking at all these Warcry units that they've included, and of course, Warcry is the skirmish game of Age of Sigmar, and man, they have some beautiful models. We've covered them in the past under... Um, the want that or want that not segment and the Corvus Cabal and the Unmade and the Venom something or other and the Iron Golems and all of that. They've just done an amazing, amazing job with those models. Those models are one of a kind and they're beautiful. Well, lo and behold, I was super excited when I saw that the actual Warcry armies are included in Age of Sigmar in the Slaves to Darkness Codex. So you can see how excited I was when I was like, oh, snap, this is going to be awesome. I'm going to put these in my army. So when starting what is technically a new army for me, or at least revitalizing the army I already have, I decided that I wanted some strong theme that would keep me interested and keep me, you know, creatively interested in the army. So what I decided to do is I picked one of the Warcry armies and I picked the Unmade because those are the people with the woman on stilts with sickles for hands, and they, um, I think narratively they cut their face off and they unmake themselves. Uh, it's pretty cool. It's very gruesome. It's very body horror and all of that. And I've seen some really scary armies in the past that were all about body horror and gruesomeness and, you know, pyramid head and all that. And I thought, man, I'd love to do that one day. Well, lo and behold, guess what? I'm doing it now. So I was looking at the unmade and I thought, you know what? Um, now, the caveat to the unmade is they're not a great unit. They really aren't. They're not a, a super great unit. But there are ways to use them. But my question for Games Workshop is, before I get into this, uh, you made you put the effort into making these new Warcry models. Okay, that makes sense. You want to sell them. I don't know how well Warcry is selling. I can't speak to that. But they were smart to go, oh, you know what? We can use these Warcry models in regular Age of Sigmar as well, and they can pull double duty, just like Chaos Demons in AOS are the same as Chaos Demons in 40k. Pull double duty, sell, you know, twice the number of them or whatever, or it's a footstep into full Age of Sigmar if you just play Warcry or whatnot. That's great. They designed these models, they want double duty out of them, they want to make money off of them, that's all clear because they're a company, right? Well, if you were to add the Unmade and the Untamed Beasts and all those Warcry factions in the Slaves of Darkness book, why would you not give them the option to take a Chaos Mark, for instance? Um, that is something that none of them can take. They can't even take the Undivided chaos, I can't say mark, but designation. They can't even take that. I'm thinking, hmm, 
That's interesting. So a lot of the buffs, let's say the Chaos War Shrine or War Altar, whatever it is, with the two giants holding that dude, you know, up on this uh, howda or whatever you want to call it, um, they they can't really be buffed by that because you pick one of the Chaos marks and you go, oh, Slanesh units this turn do blah, blah, blah. And then your hero generally has a mark of chaos and he goes, oh, Slanish people around me do blah, blah, blah. They sidemize much better or whatever, whatever it is that Slanesh does. They lick people's cheek faster. Uh, so anyway, the obviously chaos, the slaves to darkness, a lot of it has to do with the synergy of what the God's mark is. And then you arguably are encouraged to take an entire army of the same mark because it's a unified army, blah, blah, blah. And even they even gave you the option that if you don't want to do that, you can just take Undivided. That's another, that's a fifth option. But when it comes to the Warcry factions, they did not give them a chance to uh, take a mark at all, which I find really odd. Okay, these cultists. Now in 40k, cultists are a troop choice because they're the ragtag little goofballs, whatever. They're not the awesome, powerful space marines, they're just the expendable units. Of course they're troops. You wouldn't make them elite or fast or whatever. Well, what is Age of Sigmar known for? Age of Sigmar is known for making things battle line if you take a certain HQ. Well, that's interesting. Uh, the funny thing is, is that none of these Warcry factions can be taken as a battle line. Even though they're all in the same category of cultists, they can't be taken as a battle line. So I've got all these pretty crappy units. Let's be let's be honest here. As much as I love these Warcry units, they do not have good stats in this game, which is potentially another point for me to argue. But like I said, I'm more into the aesthetics of the army, and I want to make my entire army look like the unmade. So I'm gonna be kit bashing um, Chaos Marauders. And, you know, having them slice their skin open and a bunch of blood and gore and slice their face off and do all this stuff to make them look like they're part of the Unmade faction. Matter of fact, I bought an extra box of Unmade so that I could use the bits and pieces from that to make my other, my Chaos Marauders on horseback or my Chaos Knights or whatever. I'm going to kitbash all of them with the, with the, um, you know, the models. And I have a Chaos War Shrine that Just James got me for my birthday, and I want to replace the Sorcerer, or whoever that guy is up top on the altar, and I want to replace him with one of the Sergeants of the Unmade, that lady with the sickle hands on the on the stilts. And I just want the whole army to look really cool and have, you know, stretched skin over their shields and just a bunch of stuff that when you look at it, you go, oh, that's kind of it's kind of unsettling. That is my dream for this whole army. Well... They can't be buffed by most of the people because a lot of the stuff has to do with their Mark of Chaos, which they cannot take. They also cannot be taken as battle line because of reasons unknown. I don't know why. I mean, honestly, you could have taken one HQ and I don't care who it is, one of the Ogroid people or whatever, and then he makes cultists battle line. That would make perfect sense, whatever, because cultists are not good. It's different it's, you know, the battle line units are usually the units that are just kind of meh. You know, they can be good, they can be bad, they can be somewhere in the middle. And that's really where these cultists fit in. No matter which, it's the Iron Golems or it's the Unmade or whatever, they all fit in this category of 
okay to meh. Like, they're, none of them are good. Uh, most of them have a six-up save, and for instance, my unmade that I want to do is uh, one attack each, a four to hit, a four to wound, no rend, one damage. Like, holy crap, that is super, super average and super unappealing. But the difference is, is they do have some very, very slight tweaks to them. They have a six-up save, which is obviously garbage, but um, my unmade do give people within six inches, uh, or it might be within three inches, I forget, uh, minus one to their bravery, because they're so scary. And also, units can't retreat from them. Well, the unmade themselves, if I just took a whole army of unmade, that's still not very good, because, you know, abilities don't, the same ability doesn't stack over and over. But going with my whole body horror thing for my Slaves to Darkness, what I want to do is really capitalize on the negative bravery. I really want to have people scared. And I want to model all these models to be very scary. Paint them all pale-skinned and almost like a blue color to them, where they're like almost dead or they're cold-looking. And then have green stuff like a flap of skin they've just ripped off their chest and it's all bloody and... I just really want to go crazy with it. And uh, this will be one of my first armies I've ever, like, super kit-bashed. And um, so what I'm going to do is Marauders have a banner that will give minus one bravery. The un Unmade have minus one bravery as an ability. And the um, the Spherinx, I bought two of those, they give minus two bravery within 12 inches. And then there's a Warlord trait or an artifact, something that I could give another minus one bravery. And Chaos Knights give minus one bravery, so I'm really going to be doing this whole horror aspect where people are just terrified to be around us. So, obviously the models for the Unmade are beautiful enough that I totally am in love with the look of them, and I'm, I'm going to kitbash an entire army to make, look like, make it look like one unified Unmade army. That's how much I love these models. It is certainly not because their, you know, abilities or their attacks are so good. A six-up save... One wound, not great leadership. I mean, they're just, they're pretty garbage, minus the minus one leadership and whatnot. And what's funny is, they people can't retreat from the unmade unit. Why would you even want to? They're one attack, four, four, no rend, one damage. I mean, it'll take, what, four people to attack you from my unit to even do one wound statistically. Because four people will attack, only two of them will hit, and only one of them will wound. And there's no rend, so you get to save it. So, for all, for every eight of my people, I'll be doing two wounds statistically. La-di-da. So, that is not because of the stats why I want to do this army. It's just a really cool theme of being scary. But if you were Games Workshop, you take all this time, this is back to my main point, you take all this time, you develop these models, these models take, you know, R&D, they take uh, money, they take time, they take, you pay people to do this work, shipping, all this stuff, you decide, hey, we're going to be smart for five minutes and we're going to capitalize on this, put it in Warcry and put it in uh, Age of Sigmar. That's all well and good. But then you stat out the units to really be mediocre at best, okay? And then you don't allow them to be battle line in any way. So I can't even make an entire army about them. And not being battle line kind of assumes that there's some sort of better than normal unit, which is how that usually works. But they certainly are not, and they're just cultists. Now, obviously, I'm going to be taking the Raveners or Ravagers, I forget what that faction's called, where you can summon these little cult units. But these cult units are garbage. Like, it's still, 
I'm only doing it for a theme. I don't understand why Games Workshop would not do one of the following things. Make these guys freaking battle line, even if it requires a specific hero. I don't care. Take the uh, the lady on stilts, the sergeant. Make her a character. Make her a hero. And then she makes all of them battle line. Or whatever. I just don't... I don't care. I see... I mean, even if you look at 1D4chan, because I was looking at these and I was like, wow, they are... They're not good. Like, there's no reason to take these guys except that I love the models. And I look on there and they essentially said the same thing. They're like, oh, yeah, well, guess what? Marauders are battle line and they do way better than any of the cultists. And Chaos Warriors are the same way. They're way better than the cultists. There's really no reason to take the cultists. And I'm thinking to myself, GW, why did you go halfway with this plan? You went halfway because you allowed them in the army and that's all well and good. But then you don't really give them a role. They don't have good damage output. They're not durable. They're not battle line. There's really they're hard to be buffed. You're actually putting them in this in this game, but you're making it hard to use them even properly. And what cultist doesn't take a mark? That doesn't even make sense to me. And I'm not trying to, you know, whine and cry because a unit I like is is pretty subpar. I'm totally fine with that. I'm still building the whole army about it. So that is not a whine of, oh, it's not good. My whine is, if you're going to call it a whine, my whine is that why, as a company, you want to maximize profits. Make these units good. Make them useful in some way. You know, it doesn't make any sense. And sometimes I, I question the overarching management of Games Workshop because it's almost like they're highly departmentalized and they've got different people doing different things and that's all well and good. Most companies are like this. But you feel like there should be some project manager. Okay, I'm the project manager for Slaves to Darkness. Hey, you know what? Throw those Warcry Warbands in there because we've already got the models and we'll sell double. That's awesome. Uh, Boss, you think we should make them good or useful or interesting or battle line or buffable or anything at all? Nah, nah, let's not do that. I mean, I don't want to go too... I mean, I want to I want to sell some extra Warcry models, but I don't want to sell too many if you catch my drift. I mean, come on. It's just... It drives me nuts. And sometimes it's also funny that some of the things that are co included in a codex versus some things that are not included in a codex just doesn't make any sense. Like, for instance... I recently got the new Corn Bloodbound book because I have a full Corn Bloodbound army. And I'm looking at it, and demon princes don't exist. What? Half of the army is corn demons. Half of it. But, like, generic run of the mill demon princes, you got bloodthirsters and stuff. I mean, stuff that has to be Mark of Corn, but you don't have actual generic. Demon princes. And I get it. Oh, they can be any mark. Whatever. Yeah, but in this book, if you're going to put them in this book, require that they take Mark of Corn. I mean, that's not... That seems like a no-brainer scenario. Once again, I play Blood... Uh, Corn Bloodbound, and Joe Blow plays Slaves of Darkness. He buys a, a Demon Prince because he plays Slaves of Darkness, and that's in that book. I play Corn Bloodbound full of freaking demons. I guess I'm not going to buy a Demon Prince because... Because even though a demon prince could be the mark of corn, it's not like a trademarkable bloodthirster sort of character. So I guess I'm not going to include it. Like, 
I don't understand. If you're trying, if you're a business, you're trying to maximize profits. If you're trying to maximize profits, I'm telling you, I'm sticking a freaking demon prince in every single codex I possibly can. Chaos spawn, shove it in there, which which they did, admittedly. Chaos spawn, as goofy and weird and wild card as the chaos spawn unit is, it's in 40k. It's in pretty much all the 40k codexes. It's in Age of Sigmar. It's in most of the Age of Sigmar codexes, Chaos codexes. I mean, they shove they shove Chaos Spawn pretty much everywhere. But a couple things that shock me. Demon Princes should be anywhere you have demons, you should have a freaking Demon Prince, even if you require it to be a certain mark. Who cares? And Furies, Chaos Furies, I'm shocked, are not in the Corn Bloodbound book because, once again, give a mark a corn, la-di-da. You know, it's... Oh, I don't know. It's and you could even argue that the um the soul grinder should also be in corn bloodbound. I mean, you know, okay, if you want slaves to darkness to be the catch-all for all the odd weird oddities, sure whatever, you know. But the soul grinder arguably may or may not fit the whole corn theme, but whatever. But it's another one of those units that can still take any mark. So I feel like any demon so it's almost like the demons of chaos, the of de- demons of corn, are mustering their forces, right? And they're like, "Yeah, that's right. Bring, bring the blood letters. Bring the skull taker. Bring Scarbrand. Bring the bloodthirsters. Bring the the skull throne or whatever it's called. Bring all that." Uh, yeah, uh, Bob, this demon prince wants to join us. Oh, oh, uh, not gonna do that because a, I don't want to sell too many demon princes. <laughs> But B, not breaking the fourth wall, but B, hey, sometimes Demon Princes aren't corn, and I was really hoping for, like, a full corn vibe, you know? I feel like if he's, like, Slanesh or something, we're gonna get an argument, so let's just even... But he is he is Mark of Corn. No, no, just, you know what? Don't even invite him. He might invite, like, a Nurgle friend, or... I, I don't know. It's just... It gets awkward, and they can be any Mark, and this is really just, like, a bro's night out, severing heads, taking skulls, that whole sort of thing. I don't want to be tied down with some other devoted god. You know, I I just, it's weird. So, Games Workshop, for crying out loud, which is basically what I've been doing this whole segment, is whining. Games Workshop, you want to sell models, do you or do you not? Include, shove those demon princes, I mean, shove them everywhere. Make a friendly demon prince, shove it in Sigmar. Um, if Cities of Sigmar, guess what? Our mayor's a demon prince. Shove that dude in there. He can't take a mark. He's just happy. Um, <laughs> just make the great clean one, right? Like you've seen online, probably, that someone made a great unclean one into a great clean one. They, uh, fixed him so he wasn't covered in sores. But the point is, just, you want to sell models, go all the way with it. That would be the logical step. And even if you don't want to include... Every single model in every single codex, I understand that. You don't want soul grinders in um, Blades of Corn. that's totally fine. But if you do include a unit like the Unmade, give them a freaking identity and make them good at something. But I guess I am part of the problem as well because I'm still buying a bunch of Unmade boxes and uh, I'm going to make a whole army based off the unmade. So, I guess despite them not being a great unit, there's people like me that are stupid enough to still buy the models, and Games Workshop learns nothing. 
oh well, I guess this is a first world problem when it really comes down to it, because uh, I still love the game, still love Age of Sigmar, still love the models, still love, I mean, still love 40k, I love it all, so I can't really argue too badly, but I guess they just can't win them all, can they? Thank you for listening to me rant about how unfair the world is, and um, thank you to GameMat.eu for sponsoring the show, and thank you to all of my beautiful, well-endowed Patreon subscribers. You guys are great, and uh, I will catch you on the flip side.